Hey, listen up, idiots. This is your spoiler warning. Also, you might get offended. So warning for that, too, you idiots. High, high hopes for me. I don't know why that song is in my head. I actually don't know what song this is that I you keep believe... doing. I <laughs> believe... I believe it's Fallout Boy. I mean, it is high, so I can see yeah. uh, Patrick... Stump. Stump, that's right. I was like, I knew it was Patrick. And then they also had the uh, emo guitar player who the was bass into... Player, Patrick... The Simpson girl who was not Ashley Jessica. Simpson. Uh-huh. The Patrick. one that was way hotter before the nose job. Patrick That's Stump usually how it goes. And uh, <laughs> I love Fallout Boy. How Pete do I not know Wentz. This? Pete Wentz. Thank you. Pete Wentz. Yes. I remember those two. Nobody else in Fallout Boy got any coverage like those two. I remember Andy is the drummer, I think. But that's only because wow. I'm a drum dork. Okay. Okay. And he's actually a pretty fucking good drummer. All those guys are pretty good. I think Fall Out Boy's a fun band. for a minute. I've seen him like twice. No, I've seen him three times. The third time was terrible. Oh. Well, were they with somebody? No, they were. It was actually cool. They were with Panic at the Disco, who actually might be doing that song. But I don't think it is Panic. I'm pretty sure I it's... I think it's Fall Out Boy, now that you keep doing it. But they did a... Uh, what was dumb, and I hated, was that they did like a costume change halfway through. So like... Oh. It's like an intermission. It was like a stage show thing. Sure. But they didn't have anything but the band. But then they did an intermission, and it was fucking boring as hell. Nothing happened. And then, like, they didn't even change the set or the instruments. They just walked off stage for, like, 15, 20 minutes and then came back. And I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Did they do an hour set, then take a 15 break, no, then another hour set? It was set? like, they didn't even do an hour, I don't think. Because I would say, then it's worth it. Then I get it because you're kind of doing a they lot. Didn't, and Fall Out Boy songs aren't long enough to, like, they're all like <sighs> they're minutes. pop radio hits, which is fine. I love that well, shit. Some of some of them are, but I remember like what the um oh god. If they have a single song that is at the six minute mark, I will be shocked. What's the I don't blame you for being you? Yeah, but that song's you can't like blame four minutes long. For hating that's that. Well, I don't know about the song, but I remember the music video being like fucking eight minutes long. Really? Oh, because they probably had, like... They had, like, all of the Fueled by Ramen people in that video. Okay. Because Paramore showed up, Panic at the Disco showed up, or at least Brendan Urie did. Uh, Who was the... Gym Class Heroes Gym Class showed Heroes. Up. Mm-hmm. You had him. Was it Travi was the lead I singer? Know. I don't know. I, I was really him. into Fueled by Ramen at the time. I was, too. I mean, I was a pop-punk emo yeah. kid. Like, that, that was... was... Honestly... I don't think music has recovered. There have hey. been people who have like surpassed that, but like I don't think there's been a movement in music like that two mid two thousands emo that has like really captured me. You know, everybody's way. talking about this fucking Rage Against the Machine reunion. Fuck that. You know what I'm excited about? I have no idea. My Chemical Romance is back. Dog. Oh, okay, goddamn, I could talk about this all goddamn day. They're fucking back, baby. I'm so hyped. Although I am Jared super hyped my, for uh... Rage Against the Machines reunion too. Are you? Okay, but man, I'm so much more hyped for My Chemical. I don't give a fuck. Rage, Rage is a band. I listen to their hits, yeah. and I can tell you, fucking Bulls on Parade, Killing in the Name of, like all that shit, nonstop. Ask me any fucking slight B side. I can't tell you anything. I never got into Rage like deep discography. But I can tell you every fucking song my Chemical Romance has done. I can probably quote you the lyrics for most this is of why them. I, I sent you this that they were back together, and you're like, yep. "Oh, I'll go to that concert." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going. We have to travel. Fine, 
I don't care. We'll I'll go to go Chicago. See I'll go to Chicago to see my chemical on a fucking reunion tour. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 It'd be so killer. God, they could just play new shit that I've never heard of and I'd be okay. I think I they're they're a great shit. band. Man, uh speaking of I got to hang out with our good buddy Kyle Pertiball last weekend. I know. I'm jealous of this, not so much the band. You but meant, how did it go? Honestly, I think you would have had a good time had you come. Yeah? Dude, it was literally probably the best concert I've ever seen in my life. So, for the listeners who don't know, what was the concert you we went, saw, and saw? Tool. Was oh. it just Tool? Or did no, they have there was an opening band called Killing Joke, which is not, with them. is not a reference to the Batman comic. That's where I would go. They are actually, they've been around for like 40 years. They're like a new oh, wave. Fuck. They're like... They're Nine Inch Nails, but not Nine Inch Nails. They never got big like them. So, like, uh, they but came industrial, out dark industrial, sound. sort of dancey. They they are kind of dark, but again, like, yeah, it's not Nine Inch Nails, but it's huh. Nine Inch Nails style. Okay. They were okay, uh, but man, they were the only opening band, which is also weird because, like, I'm used to going to shows now where there's like two, two or, or three, three or even four opening acts before Oof. the band. Yeah, the Newfound Glory one, we showed up and it, they were like three or four opening bands. I think into there were three and we came in to, at the on last like, one. Yeah, yeah. Which was fine. That's, I think that might be too many. When you have four opening bands, that might be too and much. And for as long as set as Newfound Glory still ended up doing, like that would have been a long fucking night. That's true because they, they were one of the few they that played did for like, like the hour and a half, two hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Tool played for just at two hours. So they played two songs. <laughs> Badoosh! That's See, my you only are familiar tool. with Tool. That's my only Tool joke. You are familiar with Tool. It was I great. Know. <laughs> uh, my only joke is that, you know, it was great, except that you had to be around all these other Tool fans, which are the worst people. Oof, why? Please tell me why. I, I would love to be at the Tool concert just to hear some of, like, the side satellite conversations. Luckily, I didn't <laughs> have to hear any. I just had to see all these people. Um... <laughs> It is weird, like, the last two concerts I've gone to, though, I have been, like, randomly approached by girls. Oh. That that another show that I went to with Micah, I was just walking to get a beer, and these two girls were like, Hey, long-haired guy, take a pic with us! And I'm like, I don't know you, and I'm no one. What do you want from me? They're like, hey, don't be a dick, just take a picture. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> So I took a picture with these two random girls who had their boyfriends taking pictures. They were also like old. I'm shouldn't that they were not like young, attractive, great things huh. to do. Uh, and then at this show, <laughs> I was uh, I was just standing again in line to get a beer, and this girl comes up behind me. She taps me on the shoulder, and she's like, "Hey, uh, are those five oh ones?" Which I thought she was asking if like my jeans were Levi's five oh ones, and I was like, oh. I have." no idea and then she just went away and then like there was only one bartender so i was in this line for a long time and then like her boyfriend that she was with tapped me on the shoulder he's like hey man are you wearing van 501s and i'm like what no these are nikes and then it got me that those are the lyrics to a fucking tool song called hooker with a penis where he says he met a boy wearing Van 501s and i was like oh and then i was like oh i get it you guys are making and i was like I thought she was asking me what type of jeans I'm wearing. I'm like, I don't fucking know. So, yeah. It's a Tool concert, and you're getting, like, fucking quizzed by the goddamn Tool fans. I mean, I guess, but also I was just, I was, I thought she was talking about my jeans. I honestly, I had no idea it what 501s were. He said, yeah, if I was asking, and I was like, no, man, these are Nikes. What are you, why are you talking to me? 
Leave me. I want to get a beer. I'm because trying to hooker with a penis. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's why. All right. Um, what was their what was their ratio of new their new album to like their old hits? They played four songs off the new record. Okay. Um, which is great. <laughs> and this is the joke. There's not a song on the record on the new one that's under eight minutes long. I was gonna say that was probably half the concert. <laughs> it was no. Again, they played for like nine minutes. The only thing they didn't play anything off of their second record, and mm. they never play anything off the first record. I kind of hoped for one song. So we, all right, um, I, because I have no idea what the chronology is. There's Aether. Nope. There's Opiate. Opiate. Then there's Undertow. Then there's Anima. Anima. That's it. Then there's Lateralis. Then there's Ten Thousand Days, and then the new album, which is Fear Inoculum. Wait, what? So wait, there are five, two albums mm-hmm. total. Yep. I only thought there were four. Nope. <laughs> well, opiate, opiate was like it was almost more of a self-pushed thing. Oh, uh, kind of like fungus among us. Yeah, very okay. similar to that. Okay. Um, and it was very early on, and it's it's great, but it's raw. I was gonna say that I don't think I'm familiar at all with opiate. Most people aren't. Mm-mm. Most people start with undertow. Yeah. And move from there because undertow has like their first couple of hits which was prison sex and sober yeah those are the two hits off of that record uh but that's actually a pretty good record but again it's also very raw then enema is the one that got him huge is that the one with eulogy uh-huh yeah yeah i and so that's their technically third album yes right okay yeah i'd be okay if a lot came from that one that's the one i'm probably well, actually, most familiar with i think two songs from that one <gasps> okay um and then they played they played some from Later. They didn't play what I wanted, which I I wanted them to play Lateralis, but Lateralis is like a nine and a half minute song from that record, and I was like, I'm sure they won't play it, but it would be tight if they did. But what they did do was play something I didn't expect, was they played Parable and Parabola from Lateralis, which was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, played Schism, and then they played some stuff from 10,000 Days. They played Vicarious, and, uh, but man, it was honestly, for like, such a fucking crisp and tight and just perfect show. I had a blast. Hmm. And I got to see Kyle Pertabaugh. So that was another win-win. That's always the plus for sure. Uh, one last question and then we can wrap it up if you want. Sure. Uh, James Maynard Key. Uh, Maynard James Keenan. Fucking I was not even close. Uh, the lead singer of Tool has kind of, uh, I don't know, infamously gained a stage performance uh I, I've heard he can sometimes be very, not rude or curt, but like, he doesn't care about the audience. When he's performing, he's performing, mm-hmm. he'll like turn away from the audience, he won't look at them, he does not engage super much, is that kind of when I saw the, all right, your so experience? This is, like, when I saw them on the Lateralis tour, Maynard... So you've seen Tool before? Oh yeah, oh, oh, okay. I'm a, I'm a okay. huge fan. Uh, okay. When I saw them on that tour, Maynard was actually like behind a curtain... That like okay. The only reason that I could see him at that show was because we were actually like on the side of the stage and we could see behind the curtain. Sure. Um, and I think that's just kind of like. Do you think it's a stage fright thing? I don't think that used to be how it's built. But keeping the art separate from the artist, I think it's just phases, and it might be a big part of that because this show and this tour, he's been doing something completely different. And he, he always has, like, outfits that he wears. I think during 10,000 Days, he was in, like, full riot cop police uniform. <laughs> I love that. I know. It's great. And in this one, uh, he is a bald man, but he had this giant black spike mohawk that he wears. Hmm. And then, like, a black shirt and then uh, red plaid pants. 
And then he has like, uh, his eyes are blacked out. But he does oh, that cool. at every show. And what was really cool is that like, so the guitarist and the bass player are at the front of the stage. And then you have Danny Carey, the amazing drummer, who's at stage middle, which is also a different. He's usually always stage right. But he's at the middle and a riser. And then they have two separate risers next to Danny Carey that both have microphones. Which, yeah. And each song, Maynard would go back and forth between those two things. That's awesome. So it was, And he was, I mean, there was nothing. There were things blocking the stage, but it was this really cool, like, almost beaded curtain that would come out and wrap around the entire stage and then they would project this all this shit on top of it uh, okay it was really cool because like honestly our seats weren't great but you could tell that they took great care to make sure that everybody got a visual experience at the show it wasn't just for people at the front yeah and like even us up high at the side of the stage they were projecting all these cool laser things onto the stage which is like pure white and it's also doing all kinds of cool shit. It was really, really awesome, man. I always appreciate that. Yeah. When when bands take that extra little attention to detail to give everybody who goes there something. Because, yeah, not everybody has that money to get into those boxes or like the time to click them before they get sold up. Yeah. Even. Because usually there's like a pre-sale event on well, a Friday before the tickets even and go that's on sale. What and you have what's to- happened here. Like I, I bought tickets the day they went on sale. But I bought them like two hours after they went on sale, and this was all that was available. That's fucking absurd. But hey, we went. But also good for Tool that they like what twenty years after they've started. Well, no, this twenty. So how long have they been around? It's been a long time. I'll tell you this: between ten thousand days and this record, there was a thirteen year space. You fucking kidding me? No, thirteen years between those two albums. When did when did they start? In the late eighties, early nineties. That fucking early? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, I think Undertow that's... was ninety one. Whoa, that is really surprising uh-huh. to me. That is and very Anima surprising. Anima is probably ninety four. See, I thought they were all like late nineties, early two thousand. Lateralis was like two thousand. Okay. And okay. then ten thousand days was like huh. two thousand three, two thousand five. Yeah, it's been. It's been a long, 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 long ride. But, uh, what the fuck was I going to say? Do you think Maynard Keenan... Maynard James Keenan... All right. Maynard James Keenan ever looks at the Tool fan base... Oh, he doesn't really like a lot of them. disappointed. Again, Hooker with a Penis is written about a Tool fan. Is it really? Yeah, Okay, see, I don't know this deep shit, but I imagine, like, if, if I was an artist and I was creating something... And I look out into the crowd and I see a bunch of Tool fans. I'm disappointed with where my art has been. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, he gets it. Uh, it's fun. But yeah. So Ho- what's the hooker with the penis story? What what specifically? Well, I mean, he says it, it's you should listen to it after we finish recording. Okay. The, the lyrics are starting. Uh, he says, I met a boy wearing Van 501s and a dope Beastie T nipple rings. And he said that. He was an OGT for an original Tool fan back mm. from 92 with the first EP. And in between sips of Coke, he told me that he thought we were selling out. That's the whole first line. And then, so uh, Maynard goes on to tell this guy to fuck off. He's like, I uh, love it. And it's fucking amazing. The, the last chorus is, shut up and buy my new record. It's a fucking amazing song, dude. People love Hooker with a Penis. But that's what... 
the guy was he was trying to equate Maynard to a hooker with a penis. He's like, hey, you make this product for me. Like, what are you doing? I thought you guys were much better back in the day. Maynard's being like, fuck you. I'll make what I want, you piece of shit. This is such an interesting can of worms to open on the Robert Eggers The Lighthouse episode because I, I think James Maynard Keenan... <laughs> Maynard. Maynard James Keenan. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's very similar. Uh, well, he's, it's an, also, yeah. he's an auteur. He is an auteur. He's an auteur. Absolutely. Who very much does not like the commercialization of art, which yeah, is absolutely. ironic as Tool was like one of the most like they commercialized things in the 90s and 2000s. This fucking record was the number one debut on Billboard. Blew the fuck. It knocked Taylor Swift off of her perch as the number one artist. Sure. Like, this was a mad... They never even have done that. Like, it was a huge thing. And it's it's weird. Like, it's it sucks, but it's also kind of funny because as a band that they push so hard against this commercialism, they're pushed into commercialism. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's the... Jesus Christ. It's the rebelling for rebellion's sake. sake. Yeah. And then at... A certain point when everybody's rebelling, you fall back in, and then that's like the new form of rebelling. It's when does the pretension end? Well, and that's that's sort of what I feel has happened to Marilyn Manson because he used oh, to be this interesting. edgy anti-authority figure, yeah, and he does not have those teeth at all anymore. But Tool, no, he really has doesn't. still kept this edge, which is also. It's a weird fucking experiment. I, in I wonder if that's just because of their scarcity. Maybe in the the recent years, Marilyn Manson has been around. He's still been fucking putting his op eds and like opinions out there. In and the I ether. like those, but his James Maynard music... Keenan, Maynard James Keenan, you got it, has not. Like he'll make an album when he has something to say. Otherwise, he just shuts the fuck up and disappears but does, into the he ether. He does other things too. I mean, well, he, he had the school, right? Didn't Tool have a like no. a musician school recently? Uh, I mean, no. Uh, Danny Carey has helped out with some musician school, like some art schools and. California, he's played some stuff there, but Maynard James Keenan owns a winery now. Oh, is that right? But he also has his two side bands. He has a perfect circle. Which hasn't done anything in Not forever. for a while, but they were doing things when Tool wasn't doing things. And well, then he also has... Mid, mid-aughts. He has a, uh, a solo project called Pucifer. Oh, uh, that's right. That's which right. Which he also I just... not to any of It's not... I don't really dig Pucifer. Is um, it metal? No, it's just weird uh... avant-garde industrial shit. Yeah. But yeah, and, I mean, it's fair. Yeah, good for him though. Like we've, we've I, talked a lot about Tool. I like this. Honestly, well, I, it is interesting because it is Tool. Tool for whatever you want to say about fucking Tool. Tool had the authority and command to come out like 15, 13 years after their last album put out, and as you said, like they were Billboard number one. Like people gave a shit. Yeah, which is impressive in the music industry today because nobody gives a shit about album Especially releases. Especially not about like not since a the band. digital release. Like they don't fucking care. We care about singles and hits, and that's it. And again, not from like a band. It's very much not a band anymore. It is a uh, Bruno Mars, a uh, Taylor yeah. Swift, a uh, Billie Eilish. You got the personality, the influencer. Sure. Yeah. And which, uh, which I like fine. that shit too. Yeah, I love I love me some Billie Eilish. I love me some Childish Gambino. You know, give me, me like Swift. give me the personality. That's fine too. But yeah, we don't have those rock bands. And and, and the ones that are still around like I Tool. love Queens of the Stone Age. Metallica. They came back and put out a new album after hiatus. You know what? Nobody gave a shit about it. But they still don't have Tool has something 
for some fucking reason that no other band has. To wrap this back up and to bring it all back around full circle, <laughs> I have not been able to go on the internet for the last two weeks and not read about My Chemical Romance and Rage Against the Machine. They it's are true. fucking everywhere with these two reunions. My Chemical Romance is very surprising to me that they're getting the love. Rage makes sense. Sure. I'm not in that camp, but that makes sense because they were like the 90s iconic band Again. of like Rage and Rebellion. And and guess what bands didn't do in the 90s? Fucking rebelled. Like I still remember that MTV award show where the lead singer fucking climbed the up bass the player. Sta- bass player climbed up the statue and refused to come down. It was like this big fucking. And he thing did it when Limp Biscuit won the award over Rage Against the Machine. As he fucking should have. It was a great, great Limp, time. Limp Biscuit is the poster child of commercialization. He they is are. nothing if not targeted for like popular mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Fuck Limp Biscuit. That's it. I like Limp Biscuit. I don't. I understand I exactly what they and are. And I don't respect him. Oh, I don't respect him. He is, but I he have fun is with not it. an artist. He is somebody out to make a buck. And, and the thing with Limp Bizkit, the thing I've always gone, like, I love Wes Borland. Wes Borland's a fucking weirdo. That name sounds very familiar. He's a guitarist. Okay. He writes some fucking great shit. He's mm. also a giant weirdo, and I love him. See, I'm okay with that. But, I'm okay with that. Speaking of pretentious Ryan. Yes. What is the topic of today's episode? You've mentioned it once, but let's let's refresh everybody. Uh, the topic is 2019's The Lighthouse from yeah. A24. And if you don't know, uh, then you must not have listened to our podcast. But Kyle and I are big A24 dorks. We really enjoy... The absolute fuck out of Almost like anything they put out is worth watching. Even if I don't love it, it's still interesting enough to like make a trip to the theater. Sure. I totally agree. Yeah. And... Uh... And so we're going to talk about their newest release with Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, about two men trapped in a lighthouse. That's literally the only two guys in the movie. That's it. It's very similar to (laughs) Moon, except that Sam Rockwell doesn't carry the whole thing. Yeah, Moon, you have Sam Rockwell torturing Sam Rockwell. In this one, it is not that. Two guys, but a different (laughs) guy is torturing a different guy. Yeah, um, it is very similar to Moon. Yeah, man. It is very similar it's to Moon. It's all about isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. You and I had decided we're going to talk about, before we talk about the movie. That's right. A time that you were isolated with somebody that you absolutely hated. Because, uh, spoiler alert, tie-in for the episode, kind of happens in this movie. It does, yeah. <laughs> and I've definitely got one raring to go, but I want to hear about yours first. Okay. Uh, honestly, Jesus... I was so into the conversation that I really didn't put thought into this. So I'm going to talk real quick and vamp for a few seconds while I think. But okay. uh, 100%, I've had this happen many, many times. Uh, I guess the most recent was when I was working at Herald Times. I was oh. working with another person. And I for sure know this person is friends with with a friend of the podcast. Okay. So I'm not going to name names. Sure. But that person does not know how to fucking work for if his life fucking depended on it. He's one of those. He would sit and fucking like, and this was the Herald Times. Like, I understand when like sometimes you don't have work at your jobs and that fucking happens. Like I'm in a career right now at IU where like sometimes it's, it's an ebb and flow. Sometimes there's a lot of work. Sometimes there's not. And you have to occupy your time. I get that. Herald Times was the fast order food of, like, graphic design. There is always fucking something to do. You're never going to get done the insane amount of fucking design tasks you have to do. You are working when you're working there. Like, there's just always shit to do. This motherfucker 
would be on eBay for like six hours a day looking at goddamn G.I. Joe figures. What? And I would fucking see it and it would drive me fucking crazy. And I don't. Did you ever say anything to him? No, I actually I never said anything like oh, I I never said anything to him. I never said anything to the boss. The like people were like, yeah, you should go to the website. I would, like, no, I would totally. It's, it's weird. I don't want to do that. But I'm like, very anti-confrontational. But in those instances, I will call people the fuck out in front of people because yeah. I do it again. I have a similar situation in my job yeah. where it's like you don't always have work. But when you do, some people are yeah. still stuck in the mindset of when we didn't have work. Yep. And yeah. man, I am not. I'm like, hey, uh, yeah. so, and, and I'll, I'll do it in front of people. Like, hey, uh, did you guys see this guy do anything today? Because I didn't. And everybody would be like, oh, no, he didn't. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't. But those subtle proddings <laughs> will get Ultimately. to them and they will actually do things. But yeah, it's it's a what's the, the gentle startup. It is not a direct confrontation. It is like, hey, did you notice this? Because I noticed this. I'm not saying anything, but I've noticed it. Now you notice it. Yeah. And you just keep doing that. Exactly. I didn't do that because one also like job security too. Like, hey, that's fine. That guy doesn't fucking do his ads. Like our ads get measured. The it, it was so weird. They measured like the exact space. Like so if you did a two by two ad, you did four square inches of design work. So Damn. if you did big ads, they keep track of all this stuff. And at the end of the month, they like measure everything compared to the other designers. So if I did a certain amount of ads with a certain amount of hours compared to his ads, which are much less with maybe more hours of work on them, you can see stuff. So I kind of was just like, you'll let your work speak for you. It's going to get caught in the wash. It's not my job. I just kind of do that said it fucking ate my ass up every goddamn day to see him like, Snake Eyes, I'm working on this goddamn Toyota ad for three fucking hours, and I've seen you over there just checking on a fucking Snake Eyes doll fucking for two hours. As I've been working on this ad, you're just sitting there watching your fucking numbers go up, hoping you don't get outbid, you piece of shit. And, like, that's how the day was spent. And so, like, that's... Honestly, that's usually when I get confrontational. When there's a job, you have shared duties, and one person doesn't sure. do their work. It's like the uh, the group project in college. It is. I'm I'm much more likely to like live and let live. That's fine. I don't care. I don't agree when with what you're doing. When it affects me, yeah. Then I'm... I get pissy. When I have to do more work because you're fucking off, then I get pissy. Yep. And and that honestly, that'll make me ruin friendships over like I don't tolerate that kind of shitty behavior. Just the not even necessarily uh, fair is fair, but just everybody should pull their weight or yep. do what they can to help out. And if I don't have that, like, I will fucking break down. So this person and I never became friends. And then I saw that they were friends of a friend with somebody in this podcast. And I was like, I still don't give a fucking care. I'm not going to I'm not going to try. I don't try. give a fucking care. I don't care. This guy can fucking off. Like, ah, uh, fair whatever. enough, man. I'm going to ask the most you recently. off the show. I want to know who it is. I can tell uh, you, yeah. I'll tell you. Think of who our design friends are and who might know. Okay, I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I got an idea. Um, so mine, I've I've talked about before. Okay. Uh, I've I used to work. I started this podcast with a guy. Yeah, and I fucking hated <laughs> him. He's the worst. Never shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, uh, I used to travel a lot for work and. I used to install Doppler radar mm. systems on oil rigs out in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. 
So I had a very similar situation to the lighthouse. There was a guy I liked to work with, which was former sound engineer Andre, uh-huh. who I got along with pretty fucking swimmingly. We had a great relationship. Then there was another guy who, while not in the same vein of yours, is a hard worker. Oh, okay. He was a hard worker. That's at least good. I did use to my advantage. Ah, oh, goddamn, he was just so fucking annoying. How so? He was... Number one, he was older by like 20 plus years. Okay. Uh, he smoked like a motherfucking chimney. So. Okay. He smelled bad, which was never great. And so like, if you were within a certain radius around him, he smelled like stale cigarettes, which was always terrible. Uh, and he smoked all the fucking time. He loved the dumbest fucking stuff. Like, our humor sensibilities were completely different. He loved fucking yeah. the minions. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He loved the Big Bang Theory. Oh. Uh, he loved, like, pop country. <laughs> and just, like, just shit that, like, I couldn't, even, like, to be nice, I couldn't relate with. Just drove me fucking nuts. And he never shut the fuck up. Like, he had bad social cues. Like, he didn't yeah. understand, like, hey, man, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm reading a book or I'm playing a game and trying to zone in and you're there fucking blabbing away and mm-hmm. I'm just giving you a one word. Yeah. And I'm immediately returning to my book and you are not picking up on this obvious fucking social cue to leave me the fuck alone. I think that's a lot of Indiana people. And it drove me the <laughs> fucking insane, man. I get it. Yeah. And huh? to boot, I would have to share a fucking room with this guy for weeks at a time. Oh, that's that's it. Yeah. That's, so, that's like, insane. I would go live on a ship with this dude. Ooh. We would have a room with one TV and two beds. And he was the first fucking person I saw when I woke up and the last person I saw when I went to bed. And it went on for days. <laughs> it was awful. And I totally, totally relate to what happened in the fucking lighthouse. Yeah. I was going to say, you're probably closest. I I mean, we both had our isolated stories, but I don't think I've ever, outside of probably Laura, been in a situation with only one other person trapped for a while, unable to really do anything. But I would not handle it well. It's like when you're working and your only respite from working is also a form of working. God, it gets terrible. Because you're working at like dealing with this other person. That you can't deal with. You've got no downtime. No. It's mm-hmm. fucking terrible. So. I get that. Yeah. I get that. <sighs> it's a good one. Yeah. And I think that one very, very directly ties into the lighthouse. Perfectly. So. Let's talk about the lighthouse. <laughs> yes. Let us talk about Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Damn ye. Hark. <laughs> let's talk about this That's fucking <laughs> movie, bro. Robert right. Eggers. Yes. He did one of my all-time favorite movies, which was... Really? The Witch. You I would lo- say all-time favorite. It's top ten for me. I fucking love top The Witch. Top ten. I loved that movie. So, dude, I So you saw have it. Pan's Labyrinth up in your horror all-time favorites. That's number... What it's a- in the top five. What else goes in your... So... Well, top horror five movies, all time. Then. Oh, horror movies. Because, like, if you're top ten, you have Pan's Labyrinth in there. Yeah. And you're saying the the Vitch? Oh yeah, is absolutely up there. Is there anything between that, or or the Vitch might be your number two favorite I don't know, horror honestly, movie? Like, 
horror movie specific, which might be my number one. No fucking way. I like Pan's so, Labyrinth as an artistic okay, movie. Okay, so Robert too. Eggers really means something to you. Yeah, like man. the witch. I meant fucking that much, dude. I, I mean, okay. I don't know if you remember, but like I saw it and I texted you and I was like, I know you hey, were super into it. You are coming with me to see this again. Like that's crazy. In, in two days, I fucking loved the witch so much, man. I don't know it's why. It's weird, but like I've seen like all right. So like the Babadook, it follows like the the horror movies recently that really capture me. I still like in my head like I find it hard to be like, but is it is it Poltergeist? But is it Evil Dead Two? And for me, like I I still have yet to find like one of these newer horror movies that hits that mark for yeah. me. I think a big part... It hits that mark for you, though. For sure. And I think a big part, too, is I'm always a big... I mean, we're both suckers for pretentiousness. Oh, yeah. We're suckers for slow burns, which the Vich is. Uh, I really love that it's a period piece and an accurate period piece. Mm -hmm. And its attention to detail in that aspect is fucking awesome. And it's really a period piece that doesn't need to be. Like, this movie would still work in modern days because you could easily write, like, The Lighthouse has no cell phone coverage. Sure. Like, this movie could have worked. You could have written an isolationist made it movie. a period yeah. piece. But I think elevates it. Robert Eggers it's and a good his choice. brother, who co wrote The Witch with him as well as The Lighthouse. Do you know the brother's name? I think it's Edward. Okay. Eggers, I think. I was actually uh, not aware of the brother. Maybe at it's all. Steven. It's so it's but his brother's his collaborator, and they're both obsessed with like New England, which the Vids and the Lighthouse. Yeah. And they're obsessed with like old New England like folklore mm. and uh hauntings and things of that nature. So when you get that in there, the lighthouse starts to click even a little bit more. Sure. Because this is also a period piece set in, I think, 1890. Okay. It is about two lighthouse keepers that are uh-huh. assigned to take the shift. Thomas of and the Ephraim. Ephraim. Right? Ephraim. Who's also Thomas. Robert, Robert, who is also maybe Thomas. Yes. <laughs> uh, Which adds to some of the ambiguity yep. of this movie. But they are, they are assigned a four-week stint of lighthouse monitoring and upkeep uh, during a time when lighthouses were a very crucial part would of... You, would you say they are both hired on to be wikis? That's what they call them. They are wikis, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and a wiki is just short for uh, lighthouses at this time were not actually like fluorescent light. It was a very bright flame. Mm-hmm. fueled by oil and a wick and so they were wickies because they kept the wick burning yep um but yeah at, at this point in in this era like lighthouses were a very crucial part of shipping and maritime navigation because you got to keep these fucking things away from all these islands and rocky outcroppings especially around the new england shoreline there mm-hmm. are rough seas and uh, just terrible, terrible rocks that will fucking destroy ships mm-hmm. and kill people, lose cargo, cost at that point, I'm sure still millions in their era of money and lost, lost cargo and wages. So very crucial part. And these were, this was like a real thing that people had to do was do shifts on these, uh, islands. And the lighthouse is actually based on a real story. Mm hmm. That happened. There are these two lighthouse keepers that 
famously did not get along well, and when they were out to do their shift, one of them died. And the other, concerned that, like, people would assume that he murdered him, like, kept his body, he, like, built it a little coffin, and, like, kept it preserved, and then a storm came and blew the coffin over and was caught the dude's arm and was making it look like he was waving at him for, for his story. Oh. And it was very, very, like, <laughs> and, I like, I think ever since that happened, until lighthouses became, like, automated... Uh, they were always three-person shifts, so that like, in the instance you could have somebody to corroborate a story, or like like <laughs> if somebody dies, you're not there by yourself doing everything. It's yeah. a three-man rotation. So yeah, okay, okay. Well, that's interesting. So then the lighthouse takes that story and just dials the knob up to eleven. Yep, because it's essentially that. It's a, it's essentially that story. It is two men. Are in lighthouse duty. They have four weeks and then they are supposed to go, but then a bad storm happens. A real nor'easter, which is another thing that is famous in Maine. Yes. Especially a nor'easter. And I loved it because as soon as the wind shifted to that northeastern wind, I was like, oh shit, we're getting a nor'easter here. So I was familiar with the concept of a bad storm from the northeast. I do. I was not familiar yeah. with this at all. This, this meant nothing to me in the movie, yeah. except I knew like. Because I've seen a movie before in my yeah, life. Like, they also, the build-up to this, I was like, there's no way they're leaving yet. Yeah. Like, they are playing this up like, uh, Dan- or Do- God damn it, Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Sure. Or, like, this is my last job, and then I'm going to retire. And, you know, like, that's when they die. Like, there was so much, like, emphasis on this is the point, and then you can go, and you're free of me. I don't care what happens. You're going to go... You only got to do four weeks with me, boy. We All know. We know that's not how it's going to go. And sure enough, it doesn't. They get sucked there for a much longer time. Well, and also... And that, like, deteri- that starts to deteriorate the morale and almost sure. the, the mindsets well, so you think of the two. Time is also very fucking weird in this movie. We don't, as well, know exactly how long they're fucking on this island. Because we don't in any movie unless it tells us. Yeah. This movie doesn't tell you. And I think that's what this movie's secret arsenal is. It doesn't tell you things. No. It gives you a lot of ideas. Ambiguity. And thoughts. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you anything. And let's just jump into it. Because this is, I think, where we're going to disagree. Um, you came out of this movie and you, <laughs> you said the most sad thing, but you were like, I love that movie. I bet nobody else did. I didn't think anybody else did. Uh, and it's not quite that, um, because I definitely, I'm, I'm positive. I am favorable of the lighthouse coming out of it. I would say this is like Blade Runner 2049 for me. Sure. Which I also loved. And I think it's enjoyed. really, really, really solid. I think there's a lot of great things, but there are some, some really frustrating things in there for me that keep me from loving it. But like, this is not like hereditary hereditary. I had issues with like from start, which I also is very confusing to me because you do enjoy Ari Aster and you loved Midsummer. I think Midsummer is the best horror movie this year. Like that's that's my movie to beat right now. 
but yeah, I, I love Ari Aster and, and the, the thing about the Johnsons is like the fucking weirdest 10 minutes short and I love it. It's yeah. so fucking good. And I loved, I loved everything about Hereditary and I loved everything Hereditary, about Midsummer. Like Her- Hereditary was one that frustrated me more than it, I think it got things right for me. Sure. But like the things it got right, God damn it, it got right and it pissed me off more. And I think that's also just maybe an aspect of different strokes, different folks. Cause for sure. As much as you and I do enjoy a lot of the same things we do diverge there are still yeah there's yeah. things that like you would assume we would yeah. both love that either you love and i hate yeah. or i just kind of enjoy or you know there's always this and that's just that what separates you and me as human mm-hmm. like oh absolutely and it's great yeah um but these these movies and i would say robert eggers is included as one of these directors like even if he turns out something that i don't think is perfect or i don't enjoy like i'm gonna see one of his movies every every time i can in a theater from yeah, now on like absolutely he has established yes. himself as somebody who like clearly has a vision he has a passion he has something he needs to tell it is we are talking about tool and commercial art versus like art for the sake of art and i think tool is art for the sake of art like whether it hits me or not like they fucking have something to put in their fucking songs and they do mm-hmm Robert Eggers is that way for me. And I think he's doing something very interesting with horror. He clearly has a very, very um, big passion and admiration for like the horror films of old from like the 60s and 70s. Yep. Those very slow burn thrillers where there's not a lot happening. And it is it's mostly uh, the horror is the thought of existentialism, the thought of like what is wrong with man and like that yeah. stuff. And that is all very fascinating. I love that there are not filmmakers touching that shit today in the horror realm and i think there needs to be a lot more so i will always appreciate that he frustrates me in the lighthouse because i think this one is a little bit too ambiguous i can absolutely i think he pulls back the reins a little bit too much on having the vision like now i kind of like in the witch there is there there might be a few readings of it but it's clearly like this big bold thing at the end yeah the lighthouse, any of those big bold choices might not have happened. So let's let's talk about that a and little bit more. Let's, let's dive into this. Yeah. Because at its basis, the lighthouse is a fucking it's a tribute to old classic movies. It is. In two regards. It is shot in one by one by nineteen, I think is the aspect ratio. One point three three by one. The which is the full frame. Pretty much a square. Uh And it's also shot on black and white film. It's not digital. It is shot black and white. And it's gorgeous. Which is also... Gorgeous. In in a way that the artist is not gorgeous. Because the artist was also the same frame aspect ratio, uh, same black and white, but that was digitally shot. mm Mm-hmm. And it, you can, you really can tell a difference. Well, and the, the, you can tell too because, and I was reading some of the backstory on this, like the way that they, because of the film they shot with, was like that old fucking film. Oh, really? They got historical film like, to shoot on. They had the way that they had to light this, like the lights were so fucking bright <sighs> that like the crew couldn't see things just to get to have it show up right on this film. 
That is insane. Well, that's the witch, right? The witch was also shot entirely using only natural light. Uh, yes, right? it like was. They did, I believe they so. They never use any artificial I'm, light. I think they use bounce, keep it bounce pads and bounce project like the that would bounce right. light. Did they? I, I mean, okay. they did do that, but I, I don't, thought it was I, very cinema verite. Like, yeah, I, I, no I, lights, no nothing. We are from, only from what I understand. Yes, so it's it's that it's. We don't need to do that. There's no reason to do that. You don't have to do that. I think the lighthouse would still work, I think, to a much lesser degree if it was shot like on digital and in color. But it would still work. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. But like I love, 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 love and admire that he is doing this. The same way that Christopher Nolan still shoots on film. Yeah. I don't think digital is the enemy i don't hate digital i don't begrudge digital film i think digital film works great but like shooting on actual film looks great too and looks great in a very very different way and i'm glad when any kind of director or artist chooses to like keep a medium alive well and i love that he's he's really into this what was awesome that and especially like he used this aspect ratio to be a part of the story because of the fact that like the lighthouse is Two dudes in a very cramped space that are getting on each other's nerves. And this tight aspect ratio yeah. really enforces this cramped feeling that you get watching it. Like, yep. it is ever present that, like, yeah. everything is scrunched in and everything is, like, <laughs> yeah. working against each other. It's, it's, it's another part of the story. Kill Bill was shot, uh, the the burial scene where she's buried alive in that one by, or 1. 1.3 by yeah. 3 ratio it's it's the same reason it is very claustrophobic this this movie is like the art it's weird i can't even say that because the joker is kind of art house but this is similar to the oh, it's joker so art house yeah it is just a master class in suspension and and kind of ratcheting up to a breaking point in the same way that Joker is. It well, is a movie yes you know inevitably something bad is going to happen and it is two hours of building up to like that bad thing happening. And what I loved, and this is where you and I diverge, yes. you didn't like this ambiguity, but I really yes. appreciated this ambiguity because it it puts us in that that story. Like we are almost the Robert Pattinson character. Oh, sure. And that we have no idea what the fuck is real, what is fake, did this really happen? What can I trust in this story? And the, you don't know. You have no idea. And eventually you also sort of snap because you just want something to release, something to happen to just give you something, yeah. a, a finality, uh, a story break, anything to like, it's like you're starving and you want just a morsel of food and he sort of gives it to you. But then also it's like, oh, it's like a really pretentious yeah foam based of a ham sandwich that you take a bite of and you don't get any sustenance from but sure it tastes like a ham sandwich it's this weird fucking playing and i love that he sucks you in in that way it's fucking i don't know man i loved this i i don't think you're wrong at all i think that's a brilliant read of it and i think people will go in and have that same reaction you're having I'm just I'm one of those people who it's it's a little bit frustrating. Sure. And that's it. I, I completely agree. Like, I think it's the right decision for this movie. I think if you didn't have that ambiguity and he were to, like, spell things out a little bit more, 
I might be even more frustrated. That might make sure, it a yeah. worse movie for me. I don't know, but I think where where it's at, it's fine. It's just for me, it's a little frustrating and off putting. Um, but let's diverge from that. Let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Um, I will say the first hour of this movie was almost like being in a trance. Yeah. Um, in yeah. the best possible way, it is. It is a movie that is composed of so many long shots. The opening shot alone with like, it's just, it's white. It's clear white. And then you slowly start to get details of like waves and a shore. And then the lighthouse slowly coming into frame. But like, that's like a five, six minute shot. And it's just. And all you hear is like the waves breaking and this ever present fucking foghorn. Which that is true. This and I think that also adds into the trance is there's almost like a rhythmic quality to the movie because of the horn and how that light is always on a certain rhythm and like the editing and the dialogue or the lack of dialogue. Like up until a narrative point, which we'll talk about, like I was so into this. Like I was just it was like watching I don't know, the best and I mean this in the the best possible way, like a fucking Kubrick film. Absolutely, this feels like the the shining for our generation for the first hour or so, and I loved it. It is just long, slow shots that are like they're they're Ansel Adams like level gorgeous. These are like artist level black and white well, shots, and it's also just establishing the day to day of these it characters, yeah. but also giving us. A sort of hint to the weirdness that's just underneath. Well, I wouldn't even say weirdness until. Uh, well, we get the we get the weirdness from. Uh, I mean, very earlier on, we we start to suspect some things with Willem, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe and, and Thomas. Him, well, and him just he's always naked around the light, and well, he never I lets him around the light. I don't think that comes into like forty forty five minutes in. I, I think that's like the first sign of real weirdness. Otherwise, this film is just like kind of the relationship between these two characters and like this odd power dynamic. It is it is one man trying to control the other. And like it's it's real weird. Like, I don't think this movie can be talked about in just like strictly narrative terms. Like you really have to go into themes because like right away you're you're given this kind of theme of uh, almost very bioshocky a man sure. a man uh commands a slave obeys well, and robert pattinson's character is compared to a dog several times willem dafoe like keeps and woman, things from him yeah. he's compared to a woman he's given like the womanly chores. wifely chores to yep. do around the lighthouse he is like subjugated into like this kind of slave role and and when it comes to like this power dynamic like willem dafoe is gaslighting him keeping him away from the ethereal light in the lighthouse. Well, and you it's don't also, get to do this. I I have the privilege to yeah. do this. Maybe one day you'll do this. And, and it, he keeps them on that kind of that. And this world of like where they are equals. They're both stuck out there. Willem Dafoe's character he, takes the, the one veteran. thing that Willem he Defoe's has. Character he is has the, the power, yes. so he has something that Robert Pattinson's character doesn't have. One of the things that I picked up on and I loved immediately was that it establishes very early on the distance between these two characters because as soon as they show up on the island, 
they're walking separately, whereas the two guys that they're relieving, if you notice, are jointly carrying like yeah, a uh-huh. trunk together. It shows they have teamwork and camaraderie, whereas these two guys immediately I picked up. I was like, okay, so we already <laughs> have distance, and they're showing us that we have distance between these two mm-hmm. compared to the guys that they've relieved that obviously have a teamwork uh, a relationship and yeah. the, those guys they never say anything you see them for all of like five yeah. to ten seconds on screen it's but you immediately pick up storytelling on it. yeah it's showing not telling beautiful and this is this is what a lot of directors do not do nowadays no. they don't have faith or they get fucking studio notes that hey we don't think this demographic is going to understand that can you add a line that says hey we're doing this what do i call uh x uh it's uh Exposition. Yeah, exposition, the dialogue. That's yeah. what I call it always. It is. Or you have characters who are only there for exposition. Sure. Um, and that happens in a lot of movies. This movie doesn't have that. And it's great up until a point. Okay. We'll up get until there. a point. But, uh, like, you're right. I think there's great visual storytelling. I love um, once they kind of settle into the lighthouse, there's a shot. And you see Robert Pattinson alone in, like, a bunk bed. And there's, like, this big pillar in the middle and Robert Pattinson's like unloading his uh belongings he's getting kind of place and then you hear a fart uh-huh. and you're like what and then Willem Dafoe is behind that pillar just casually farting right away well he's also and- peeing into like a bucket right that's next to right. it that's he's right that's right he's the pissing into the bedpan the whole time and it just immediately you're thrown into you're thrown into like an unease uncomfort like Robert Pattinson's character would be like you're you're shown there are now no longer any barriers between these two. Any civility is not there on Willem Dafoe's mm-hmm. part. And I think that's also very interesting, too. I, I love the themes of this movie. The, I I will... Mm, uh, pin in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pin in that. Uh, I love that Willem Dafoe's character is essentially like the bestial id of man. He he does not fucking care. Let's, he's going to do what he's yeah. going to do. I want to talk Pattinson about fucking Willem Dafoe. Is civility. And he tr- he's, he's trying to be mannered. He is the attempt at trying civility. to be civil. Yes. And I think that's what this movie's saying. Like, yeah. There gets to be a point, and it's like, I feel like this movie has something to say about civility, and I think it's maybe very cynical, saying any attempt at civility is ultimately false it's, and bullshit. Yes, it's a, it's a mask that we put on to hide the I think real this self. Is a super nihilistic movie. Absolutely. And I maybe think that's why I really love it. It hates man. Yeah. And does not expect anything good for man. Let's All right, I want to I'm just going to come out and say for me out of everything I've seen, this is hands down my favorite Willem Dafoe performance. No fucking way. Fuck yes, dude. He is no. fucking crushing it. He's having a blast. He's got all these fucking old school sailor idioms that he's going through. Dude, that fucking monologue where he curses Robert Pattinson for like five minutes or whatever right. and this doesn't is blink. disagree because this is after the point where I think the movie kind of loses some momentum for me. I thought that 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 monologue was very long winded. I think it got to a it point was. where it just became look at me showy, like look at me delivering this fucking monologue without a break. Well, and that's what I loved is that it didn't even have the impact on Robert yeah. Pattinson's character because he's like, "All right, have it your way. I love your lobster." Well, I like that note to it, but yeah, again, I don't know. I feel like, but like Willem Dafoe is like trying to joke. portray this 
over-the-top, larger-than-life thing, and we're even shown this like yeah. view of it, and it then at the, and then it cuts, and they're both in frame, and Robert Pattinson is not impacted by it at all because he doesn't fucking care about this dude. And that's he a hates great, him. All right, yeah. I think that scene epitomizes I think it's showing, how I feel. It's showing his own self worth to him, and we're seeing that from the Willem Dafoe character aspect. Yes. Like he's like, I am cursing you, and it's this fucking impactful thing. But then to Robert Pattinson, he doesn't fucking care. He's miserable. He's stuck here. It has no impact on him. And that's what I think that scene is showing. I agree. And this is weird. And this is where, I don't know. This is this is maybe like going to really indicate how you view movies versus how I view movies. But I felt like this is almost a little bit The Last Jedi-ish. Really? Why are you going to give Willem Dafoe this fucking awesome four-minute fucking monologue to have it not... Well, one, I didn't even think it was that awesome to begin with. But why are you going to give him this four-minute monologue to only then make it a little fucking joke that Robert Pattinson is going to scoff at? I don't know. You show, like, the menace of him, like, giving the speech. And it is shot, like, in that upwards angle at him. And the shadows are just right. He's not blinking. It is... That is insane to me, too. I will say, like, Willem Dafoe acts the shit out of it. I don't think it's a well-written speech. And I don't think it demands that much time. Especially if it is only for that joke. And I think... I don't even know if it's for that joke. Because, again... We do get a different payoff later. I think it's Dude, it, what the Triton not, thing. Not the Triton when he beats him up. Later on, I think it is impacting Robert Pattison on a subconscious level because we do get hints of his dreams. And there's the part where like he's killing himself on the beach, and Willem Dafoe's character turns sure. him over naked, and he has the lighthouse eyes that is observing this sin of him. And I uh. think it's almost like there's a all right, so that's another part about this movie. There's a whole lot of like Greek and uh, Roman gods. There is Prometheus and Proteus, and also like Triton and Poseidon, because that's who yes. Willem Dafoe turns yeah, yeah. into this god of the sea. Well, and that's who he re- he curses him in the name of Triton. I think Proteus worked for Zeus or something. Proteus I mean, was like a herald. No, and, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, well. in, in Greek, uh, all of the other gods serve Go- Zeus. Who, oh, well, there you go. I mean, Zeus Or is, not Zeus, Poseidon. Because yeah. it was a C, the I sea specifically. What, That's yeah. what I meant. I'm sorry. Um, fuck, yeah. Yeah, and a little bit of Icarus, too. Sure. Uh, if you really want to throw in that one, but I think Icarus kind of works. Yeah. Do you want to Do you want to kind of delve into those themes a little yeah, bit more? Break them down? I mean, so what did, what was yours? You so you saw. Well, and, you know, I, I mentioned it and then we went with Nathan, who brought it up again at the end of the film. There's the obvious tie in to Prometheus, who yes. is he was a Titan who gave the gift of fire to humanity, which the gods did not want humans to have. And the fire could be the described as like light or knowledge. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think generally now it's accepted as knowledge, but that's thematically what yeah. it meant. There's yeah. also like, I mean, it, at its base, fire is a light. This whole thing is revolved around a lighthouse. And well, at the end of the movie, honestly, like, I think it, I think this movie works with the theme of knowledge too. Yeah. If you go like Robert Pattinson after his long journey to find out what is in that light, I think he's given the knowledge. I love that part too. And it's shown like 
it's either it's either like the Cthulhu thing, it's too fucking much and it drives him mad, or he's driven mad because the knowledge is that there's really fucking nothing. Yeah. And it's meaningless that he's done all this for fucking nothing. Yeah. And that's what drives him mad. And, and I love that even it's more. It's also ambiguous and it can be either one that it, you want. And that's what I or, love. Or none of this fucking happened because at a certain point he snaps. Yeah. You know, and like there's so many ways you can read this. And that's where my frustration lies. But it also it does have the tie in to Prometheus again, because as punishment, Prometheus was cursed to he was strapped to a mountain and every day an eagle came and ate his liver and every night his liver grew back and every fucking day that eagle would come back. And the last shot of this movie is a naked Robert Pattinson on the beach getting his guts eaten by a seagull. which seagulls are also a big theme in this movie. We have Mm -hmm. the one-eyed one that torments him for uh, first half of the movie. Yep. And that's when (laughs) things really take their turn. Uh, I don't know, man. There's also a lot of like weird sexual undertones in this movie. Mm. Uh, There's two men isolated, so there's a lot of some homosexual undertones that that play through. We can just say it. The lighthouse is nothing if not symbolic for a giant fucking penis. Well, and apparently there was a scene that was shown at cons that was cut in the film that we saw, but there's a superimposed shot where it is a lighthouse that fades into an erect penis. There you go. It's very fucking literal. That's a little bit too much. Exactly. And that's, I think that's why that's cut, but yeah, obviously it's a fucking giant erect cock. Yeah. And uh, also throughout a majority of this movie, Robert Pattinson is masturbating. He's biding his time by jerking off to this mermaid statue that he finds. And so is Willem Dafoe as Robert Pattinson walks into once. Sure. <laughs> and he, I mean, he, I have to assume he's masturbating. But he's masturbating to the light, which at, we also don't know what's up. But yeah. there's a lot of pent up sexuality. Yeah. As you don't have access to sex. Yes. When you're stored. For four weeks. Yep. And, uh, yeah, there's also this weird point where they're drunk and, like, there's that, almost a kiss. This is maybe my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, really? I, or not, well, not my favorite part, but, like, I loved that they went there. Yeah. I loved that in the midst of this impending blow between them, you know they're going to fucking have, like, their their odds out with each other at some point in this movie, and it's inevitable. But then there's, like, this weird tension where, like, for a second, they just stop fucking fighting, and they slowly start to embrace each other for a kiss, and then fucking push each other and start fighting again. Yeah. And it's this, I think it's a great commentary on men in general. Sure. And just, one, if you want to say just, uh, com- I don't know, uh, the lack of vulnerability, how, how men often try to not share feelings, not share their emotions, not how they're feeling, and then they can only show it through fucking or fighting. And so when they're in a lighthouse and they only have other men, that is the only emotion coming across. Fucking well, or fighting. They're it's also, not being vulnerable. Yeah, it's also a dominance aspect. Like, even in the wild, like... Oh, I don't think it was dominance. I think it was just being completely fucking lonely. And like I'm sure, yeah, that part too. But I'm saying, like person. the fucking or fighting, like that's also like this dominant. The at, fighting like, who is, is yes. who is this yeah. this alpha? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I'm above you. I'm I hump you. But yes. like, yeah, we yeah. don't get there. But yeah, I, there's I, a there's a lot of that in the wordplay yes. in this, and kind of again that withholding of power. There is that aspect, but for for the that little intimate almost kiss, I I, I definitely saw that as just 100 percent like. 
I am so fucking desperate for any kind of Attention, connection. Touching. And like, I yeah. hate your fucking guts, you farting piece of shit. All you've been doing is farting. You and you fucking farts. I hate your fucking farts. And, and yet, like, you get so desperate and so lonesome, like, that becomes maybe an idea that's i think that's brilliant i think that's a brilliant little piece of depth character depth and like attention to detail of like how human behavior is i love i love in this movie um i don't know man i don't, I don't know really what else to hit on do you have anything i else? will yeah go All ahead right, so my turn with this movie as i yeah, said please. like i was 100 into this movie it had me just mesmerized i felt like i don't know a hypnotized a hypnotized chicken like i was just like wide-eyed breathing in the cinema of this movie until the night that they're supposed to leave and then i feel like the movie loses all of its momentum because it is this slow build-up to a fight to this confrontation between these two and we see the signs of it and we feel like it's coming to a head and then they're supposed to leave but then that doesn't happen and that's an hour into like this two hour movie and from that point all of that tension it feels like they started right back at zero as soon as that fucking reset happens we then go back to them being cordial again and like nothing fucking happened and then they have to build up to the fucking insane again but like the whole first hour of this movie is 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 the the intensity slowly increasing and then this moment happens where they cancel that and say we're not going to do that it starts right back at zero again the intensity and it has to slowly build back up and that is the only time i felt myself like really getting tired of this movie was in that little stretch after they started and before like the build up to like the crazy shit at the sure. end and it's just it's it's only like 20 30 minutes towards the end there it's either the end of Act 2 or the beginning of Act 3. I don't know where it would qualify. But I think that area did not work for me. It, it felt a little slow. And I, I really was like into where they were going. And then they completely deferred all the momentum into like this other thing. And they're like, oh, we're going to we're gonna slow it back up and then get back into it. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of in a different aspect. Because up That's until fine. that point, it was very uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yeah, it was like the. But the I was I was very Joker. on board because I I knew the turn as soon as he killed the seagull. Like I was. Oh like, yeah. Because I mean, it's obviously foreshadowed. You never kill a seabird. It's bad luck. Yeah. You don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And then what's he fucking do? He beats the fucking shit out of the seagull. And it's like midsummer where it's uncomfortably long. Yeah. How long they do the brutality stuff? It's like fucking they don't crazy. cut. No. <laughs> And uh, and and then I was like, then I knew that that. Uh-huh. So I wasn't. I think we just in, were interpreting and and on board at different points. Oh, you were on board from the beginning, and I was like, yeah, all right. So he's he's warned him not to kill the seabird, and he's killed the seabird. Yeah. And then we have the very obvious the shift of the winds, and I was like, okay. And then after a, that, like that's a good way of phrasing it because I wouldn't say like I really disliked that part. It was it was more like. Well, I was on board. Now I'm less on board, but I trust you. Yeah. I know where you're going. It's fine. I'm not on board right now. And then sure enough, you won me back over by the end. But 
I, it sounds like you were the first half of this movie. You were just like, well, I'm no, I don't know about this, but I trust you, Robert yeah. Eggers. Yeah. I trust you. Okay. I didn't know what was happening, but I, uh. there, there, again, it's always just these, these little things off and these little, these little hints at it. Like he's, he's moving this coal into the shed and he turns around and Willem Dafoe is watching him from, but we never get a close up of Willem Dafoe. We just see the figure of him, but we know. Yeah. That it's him watching him because well, what the fuck else would he do? No, it could be just Robert Pattinson fucking seeing things because <laughs> That's he's true an too. unreliable narrator. Uh, absolutely, which an unreliable is, narrator. Adds to maybe my frustration is because like nothing can be taken at any kind of face value in this movie. Your theory is as good as my theory is as good as their theory, and for some reason that bothers me a little really? bit. Okay, I'm usually on your board. I really as. You know, <laughs> I, I've, I've mentioned many times I like to read like very in-depth wikis of like games that like, yeah. are explaining everything. And usually I, I like to have every answer. But uh, in this aspect, I'm, I'm really embracing this ambiguity and this not knowing. And it's like, hey, whatever you fucking feel is happening. That's that's what that's how you take it. And I think that's also yeah. some people would maybe call it bad storytelling. But I think it's great storytelling because sure. there is so many different ways to take it. And it well, breeds this like, great discussion. Yeah, there. it's abstract art. Yeah, it's it's is abstract art in art. Yes, it's an art form. Do does everybody get it? No, and and it is because you largely bring your ideas and themes onto it. When I go to movies, I like to see a little bit more authorial input. Yeah, and that's that. I think that's usually that's it. That's really what it boils down to, and it's why I prefer I think the bitch more than I prefer this movie. Um. I think they're both really great. I think they're both absolutely worth seeing. But I think that is the difference. I think there's maybe less of the author in this one. Sure. And yeah. I, and, and again, that's not a bad thing because that works for you a lot more than it worked for me. But I think that's something uh. people need to know going into this one is it it's it is very ambiguous. It, it does not answer a lot of questions. There might be theories, but like I think a lot of it's going to come down to like I don't know how much time people put into their own theory. Not that it's right by the movie. It's just, I don't know. Do you have a favorite scene? Huh? I probably do. Let me think on this for a second. I have a lot, and I'll, I'll go. Why ahead don't you go ahead? In. Yeah, go ahead with one. I really like the uh, the very obvious, and as has been stated by Robert Edgar's, it was intentional. The the Lebowski reference, where he's taking the two chamber pots to throw them into the ocean, and as he does, <gasps> the yes! wind blows the shit back onto his face. Uh-huh. Uh, and Robert Edgar says that is obviously a nod to the Big Lebowski. That was great. I didn't piece that together, but yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, I really liked the second scene with the mermaid on the beach when he finds her washed up and then she's screaming at him. I, uh, the mermaid scream really fucking affected me. Uh, uh, also, the mermaid's the one of the few places we get the vaginal imagery. With the yeah. weird fish thing. Well, those are, uh, they studied shark genitals and yeah. put those on there. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. They, they, because they said, uh, Shark genitals. That's what shark genitals look like. Uh-huh. Huh? Okay. Good to know. And I did know that. And I was like, oh, those look like shark. That's those like <laughs> shark things. Cause I, I was always into sharks as a kid and they got weird. It's weird flaps, man. That's how they fuck. 
Uh-huh. They are weird flaps. You're not wrong. It looks but they like... also they still are somewhat vaginal. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it makes sense on the mermaid. That's what they would have. And he was like, uh, I think he was saying Robert Edgar's like, because in all these older things of like mermaids, they're designed obviously for like the sexual object of a man, but like how would that work there's so he intentionally made it look fucked up like that but robert pattinson still fucks it at some point i mean not literally he's fucking it in his mind and then when he's going crazy possibly yeah that's one reading of this movie again nothing is for sure i also (laughs) man i love when he fucking looks into the light that's i think that's where i was going oh my god dude and that laugh that's super distorted it's and again, it's a long shot, and it holds uh-huh. so long, and just makes you like uh, super so f- uncomfortable. Yeah, it it was like the the last bit of annihilation for yes. me. It yes. was so fucking uncomfortable, but in the best possible way. Uh, yeah, I think that might be my favorite shot. Or we already talked about it, but like that final blow up at the seagull. Oh yeah, and just the unrelenting camera that never fucking cuts for like a good two minutes that seagull is being like tossed around like hulk and loki yeah for two minutes and it's super fucking bloody and, and it, it's you, been such a build-up to that point that yes, when it finally what's breaks, great about it. it is just it is you don't know whether to laugh or like be horrified or sad or what like it is just and that's again a sign of great <laughs> art because it's making you feel all these things that want and you're like yeah what the fuck is happening to me? Like I am enjoying that, but it's also really awful, but I think it's hilarious, but also I'm a little terrified. It's this great fucking range of emotions that you go through that like so rarely art makes you get it's ah. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know, man. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap this up? I feel like I pretty much said everything I need to. Okay. Uh, What about you? I mean, again, I just, I thought not only Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson fucking crushed it. Like, they both were amazing in this movie. Pattinson's great. Yeah. Does not I get love enough Pattinson. credit. Yeah. Uh, a Good Time is great. And what his weird... Uh, What's the oh, one where, like, he... Is the limo one. The Cosmo, Cos, Cosmopolis? Yes. Where is he just rides around in a limo. Is that the one where they go to the, the Domino's? No. That's, that's a different one. That might be a different one. Uh, that one was all I like that. Mo- I have to look it up and tell you about it. I've never they, seen the Rover, but he's apparently really good in that one too. Maybe it's that one because they uh they shot this thing in like an actual Domino's with real people, like real gorilla style, and nobody knew they were shooting it there. It could have when they had it in the film. So could have been a good time. I think it is a good time. I think if it, it was that. recent, it was probably a good time. Um, but yeah, I lo- I'm stoked for him as Batman. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, I'm looking very forward to it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Willem Dafoe does not get enough credit either. Like he is obviously a great facial character actor, or whatever. But like I've been watching his variety YouTube things where he breaks down his career, and I honestly do this for a lot of actors. He's one of the most fucking humble, thoughtful fucking yeah, people ever. Like you look at everybody's videos, and they're like usually fifteen to twenty minutes long. His was forty minutes because he is just openly talking about everything in like the nicest possible way he's talking about like and he's been in like everything dude he fucking he's he's a john wick one he showed up in john wick one and i was like oh fuck yeah willem dafoe let's do it 
He was even, he's one of those two people too. Like he's talking about uh, being Green Goblin in yeah. Spider-Man. And uh-huh. he was like, well, I don't know. Comic book things weren't like, a t- they weren't a thing at the time. Like we didn't do them, but like I just saw something that looked like it was going to be fun and present an opportunity. And I, I liked Evil Dead. So I was like, yeah, I'll work with Sam Raimi, whatever. Like I just, I like having fun as an actor. It's like, and you that's, can again, fucking you can see it. See it in this fucking movie. He is loving talking like an old timey sailor. It it yeah yeah he's he's <laughs> so good I love watching him it do is, it it is I think yeah if if we're doing the wrap up on the lighthouse I think tens across the board everything is ten out of ten I would tweak the story I don't think the story is a ten out of ten that is it I think direction ten out of ten cinematography ten out of ten acting ten out of ten like everything is so fucking on point I just think I I really wish there was a more again more authorial vision of the story sure and that's it but that's again different i understand you're gonna look at this in a much more positive light because you're not gonna have that i mean you said 10 out of 10 i say i'd almost give it like maybe a nine and a half for a full 10 like oil lamps or oil jugs out of 10 like i don't know man it here's the thing i fucking love this movie there's no way this movie's for everyone. 100%. Most, most people that watch this movie are going to fucking hate it. This is what I, I walk it. away from. It's like, yes. I can recommend this movie to nobody. Exactly. Like Spring Breakers. Like, I really enjoy this. Nobody fucking else is. This is even harder to pitch to somebody than Spring Breakers. Oh, I just, I don't know about, oh, ah, it's close. Spring Breakers is at least culturally modern. But uh, but you have to break like the vulgar barrier for that sure. movie because you have like the the three or four minute like Skrillex tit compilation at the beginning that is just slow motion spring break scenes and like I I worked at Family Video that was enough to make people not watch that fucking really? movie I had so many people come back they couldn't make it five minutes into that movie I mean I think the lighthouse would also have that though because yes. I had people returning. That James Franco Wizard of Oz for the same reason. This movie's in black and white. I was like, for like the first 10 minutes, and then yeah. he goes into the Oz and it's color. Like the Wizard of Oz. Have, have you never seen And that was people? a complaint. So yeah. like, uh, who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe people will not be into this. No, absolutely not. And spe- I mean, at, it does abate for like the mid part. But like, dude, the first 45 hour of this movie, that fucking foghorn is ever present and then it re it shows up again for like the last 30 minutes or so yeah. but god damn it is not an enjoyable watch and it's not supposed to yeah. be it is supposed to keep you on edge uncomfortable unsure yeah. about what's happening again it's it's hard to recommend i would but. say if you like movies where you have a better experience after the movie than you did during the movie thinking about the movie yeah. you're gonna like the lighthouse sure because this is one where i don't know if i need to see it again but goddamn, do i really enjoy thinking about it and analyzing it and like trying to figure out i've been out thinking the about it since we saw it and it was like two days I have ago too but i don't want to see it again i do it's, you do but i would i'd still probably just watch it by myself i don't would know you? it's <laughs> one i do want to make other people watch just to see their reactions sure i can see that but, i can see that uh, I don't know if I could get people to sit through it. So I don't know, man. <laughs> Lighthouse, super fucking artsy, super yeah. pretentious and a hit from both of us, though. I think so. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, check it out. If you 
have liked things Ryan and I like. If you like the A24 horror movies that are a lot slower paced, more cerebral, you'll you'll dig this. I, I'd say this is easily on the level of like Hereditary or Midsommar or whatever. Sure. Um, I disagree to extent on certain ones of them, but like it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. They're all like better than, I don't know, Halloween remake sure. with Jamie Lee Curtis are most of are, them or happy death day i'm trying to think of i've heard really good countdown. things about those both of those um what about escape room okay escape room uh, sure and uh the truth or dare that's it i was trying to think of these yeah. shitty bloom house ones that have been uh, coming up yeah anyways uh so we're going to fucking shut up and get out of here i'm Kyle i'm Ryan and uh go lighthouse yourself ha Damn you! <laughs> I think that's my favorite. I don't.